Hi, I'm Clement Liu, and welcome to Just Sustainability, curious conversations about sustainability, equity, and social justice. Today I'll be introducing you to Just Sustainability by speaking with Peter Levin from the Institute of Environment at the University of Minnesota. Peter's one of the key creative forces helping put this podcast together. Speaking with him about this project is the best way that I can think of for introducing you to this show's objectives, format, and future themes. So without further ado, we'll turn to my chat with Peter. Thank you. Hey, Clement. Thanks for having me on your pilot episode. So I guess to get started, maybe I'd ask you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who Peter Levin is. Then tell us a little bit about Institute and the Environment. So my name is Peter Levin, and I'm a graduate research assistant at the Institute on the Environment. And I'm also a doctoral student in science and environmental education at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities. And so at the Institute on the Environment, also known as INE, we offer programs for For students, we have Environmental Magazine, and we also work with faculty and educators. Um, I work with the faculty part, and so I work with many different teachers and educators in the university system, working on sustainability education projects from topics in chemistry to sports to engineering to sustainability studies um, and to Equity University like Clement is working on. And so through that program, I've been working with Clement for a while. And we've basically been working on this podcast. So one of the things you've been helping me with is going through like all the the different interviews I've uh, done, listen for themes and like listen for like, you know, the places to to do cuts and stuff like that. So you actually more familiar with the interviews than anyone else. Could you say a little bit about those interviews and some of the themes that people might be expecting to hear from those interviews? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've spent a fair bit of time listening to you have conversations with some very interesting people. And I think that's the main theme, what people will get from this podcast, is that uh, these are very interesting and curious conversations with a broad range of people who do work relating to equity and justice and sustainability. I think people will be surprised by the amount of different topics uh, that come up. I mean, you talk with Fiola Jacobs, who is an expert on uh, disaster policy and, and equity and food justice, and then you have many interviews um, with different people doing work on indigenous uh, scholars like Sean Sherman, who does the indigenous food revival, and Hyde Edrich. Um, and you got Nina to Ortiz, who's talking about working with community and community engaged scholarship. You have Sean Schaffner talking about uh, fecal justice and food, I mean, poop justice. Um, and so I, I think people will be very surprised by the amount of themes that fit in sustainability and equity. And I think that's a really powerful message to be sharing. And I think every single episode, people will gain a richer knowledge of how we can live sustainably and equitably. And I think the other really powerful part of this this show is the conversations are always, they get a really warm, personal feel. And so you not only learn what their professional uh, interviews, not like interviewed see on TV with you know these experts, um, you do learn about what their their ideas and work are, but you also have a personal connection and there's really rich conversations about just humility and family and people share about like who they are and you share about who you are. 
And so I think that's another element that, that I definitely gained from listening to it. So every episode, you always start off by asking uh, how you like to introduce yourself. What do you want the listeners to know about you? What should uh, we start off this episode knowing about who Clement Liu is? So uh, I think of myself as primarily a teacher. I think of my work as being intended to help other folks think better about sustainability, think better about equity, and think better about how those things tie together. So even my research tends to be about how to do scholarship better or how to do scholarship more equitably so that people who are studying these problems uh, are approaching those problems with a framework that helps them think about how to do so in a way that uh, best recognizes the broadest range of perspectives possible. So to make sure that uh, everyone who's affected by sustainability and equity issues are having like a fair role in thinking about how to be better at addressing those problems. Yeah, I mean, that definitely comes across in the way you bring different people together and ideas into the circle of what equity and sustainability can be. And so how do you individually conceptualize equity and sustainability? So when I think about sustainability, I tend to think about it as an area of inquiry, discourse, uh, work, advocacy, whatever, that's aimed at helping us live the good life for as long as possible, or ideally indefinitely. Right? So it's that sort of core question that comes from Greek philosophy, like ancient Greek philosophy, like things that like Plato and Aristotle and Xenophon were working on, right? The idea of what's the good polis? What's the good city? What's the good community? What's the good society? And what does it mean to live a good life? Um, and so I think sustainability is the a modern iteration of that sort of area of like discourse, right? It's the way we now think about how do we in our society live a good life given our problems or problems like, you know, resource scarcity, uh, threats to the environment, uh, the impacts of like waste and pollution. And, and then thinking about how do we address those so that everybody that's part of our, our society and our community, including the non-humans, right? So like the, the ecosystems that are, are part of our community, the other species that live in those ecosystems, how do we all live together in a way that allows us to, to all flourish? And so when, when you think about sustainability like that, uh, equity becomes one of the, the core issues. Uh, I, I think to have a good life, you have to be treated fairly, right? Nobody gets exploited or oppressed and goes like, yeah, this is my best life that I'm living. And, and so we need to think about if we're thinking about sustainability as a way of mutually flourishing and living a good life, we need to think about how do we treat each other fairly and equitably so that we don't have that exploitation, don't have that oppression, and that so people really do have a legitimate chance of, of doing the best they can. And then, you know, doing it in a way that, that our flourishing doesn't come at the expense of like other species and the ecosystem and the land and the air and the water. So that's how I, I tend to think about the, that intersection between sustainability and uh, equity and how, how that intersection manifests. Yeah, it's obvious that uh, for you, you know, equity and sustainability are really nested together and are one and the same in many ways. And, and your background's in philosophy, right? You're, you're a philosopher as well. Yeah. So uh, I think it's not a it's not unexpected that I think about sustainability in, in terms that are, are that are aligned with the way ancient Greek philosophers think about the good city. My education was in that, right? So I remember one of the 
classes that stuck with me the longest from when I was in grad school was a, a class I, I took on Aristotle, the way that Aristotle thought about living the good life just sort of informs the way I think about what the, the task of the, the philosopher is in, in society, right? It's to help society reflect upon what it means to live a good life and how to do that. Yeah, I think that definitely comes uh, across in, in the way you speak about equity and the philosophy and the practice um, have to work together. And that is interesting because a lot of people you talk to in your interviews, these different educators and scholars and activists, um, some of them think a little more on the philosophy side and some th are more focused on the practice side, but each of them have their, have their work in both, in both buckets of philosophy and, and practice. I think that's a really powerful way to look at your work. Um, and also from, you know, just getting to know you, I've learned a few more ways to conceptualize sustainability and particularly around these three ideas of wellness and access and consent. Um, and I'm wondering if you could speak a little more about those different characteristics of sustainability and equity. I think wellness is probably the easiest place to start, right? So if you're thinking about the good life, essentially what you're thinking about is wellness, or right? you're thinking about what does it mean to be well? Uh, and in the, the realm of sustainability, it's not just humans, right? So we're thinking about human wellness, but we're also thinking about sort of wellness for communities, wellness for the land, wellness for the other species that we share the, the world with. Uh, so I don't have much more to say about wellness than that. I think the access and consent are the really interesting ones, right? So I think this goes back to the idea of doing well requiring us to feel like we're treated fairly. And I, it seems to me that one of the sort of the most important parts of folks feeling like they're treated fairly is that they have autonomy over their own lives and their decisions uh, and just sort of have a, a sense of control over the way things are happening in their own lives. Uh, and I think that requires us, uh, when we're trying to work together in a society, to think through how uh, folks can access the ways we govern our society, right? How we make our collective decisions, make sure that everyone feels like they can participate in that. Uh, and this, I think the way to do that is to think about consent, right? So if, so the reason I think about consent a lot is uh, years ago, I was working on an, an article and I had needed to think about like, what does it mean for folks to participate fairly in public discourse, right? In governance and decision-making, in consultation with the government agencies. And uh, I was looking for formal work done by philosophers about the ethics and the politics uh, of decision-making across hierarchies. And then the, the literature that I, I thought was most applicable was a literature from biomedical ethics. The literature about uh, how doctors can work with their patients in ways that are equitable, despite the fact that there's a, a hierarchy in terms of expertise, right? Like the doctor is the one who sort of understands the, the disease, understands uh, the implications of different treatments, and has sort of, uh, has that power, right? Their decisions really have an outsized impact on the wellness of the patient. And then there's also this, I think, this idea from a lot of patients that the doctor is the one who knows what they're talking about. And so the doctor's perceptions and views uh, will have an outsized influence in what the patient opts to do. And so there's literature about how do doctors work across those sorts of barriers to access for the patient to more robustly be able to, to uh, participate in making the choice, to, to be able to express their own wants and interests in the decision about how they're cared for. But a lot of that literature talks about informed consent and uses 
informed consent as sort of the theoretical mechanism for thinking about how to have the interactions between the doctors and the patients so that the patients are able to participate in making the decisions about their care in a way that really expresses their interests, their wants, their needs, their values, the things that are important to them, rather than just sort of parroting what the, the doctor wants and says. And I think a lot of the stuff about informed consent is useful when applied for thinking about collective decision-making more broadly, where there's differences in power, where there's hierarchies, where uh, there are folks that are, are marginalized or vulnerable who uh, could otherwise have their uh, views, their opinions, their perspectives suppressed in favor of folks who have more expertise or more power. And so a lot of what I think about is how do you get informed by uh, the literature and scholarship about consent in biomedical ethics and research ethics and think about how that applies to um, sustainability more broadly. And so I think because I'm interested in those things, that does come through in a lot of my interviews for this podcast where I ask folks, how do they think about how do the quote unquote experts more equitably and more justly partner and collaborate with uh, the folks who are actually more directly affected by uh, sustainability problems who are often from marginalized communities? Yeah, I think that idea of consent and, and access is is needed when thinking about hierarchies um, in all of them, including the ones related to sustainability and, and living well, as you put it. Um, and kind of in that in that vein, would you explain why you wanted to do a podcast to, you know, bring this type of work into the medium of a podcast? And, and also, what do you hope people will get from listening? Yeah, the podcast idea started because... When I was thinking about this project, I was also working on some other projects, uh, one with AISHI, which is the Association for the Advancement of Sustainability in Higher Education, that was intended to provide a, a toolkit for folks thinking about integrating equity and sustainability in their work, right? for professionals in higher ed doing that. Um, and when I was working on that toolkit, I was thinking a, a lot about how I learned uh, about sustainability and equity and what I thought were sort of the most impactful educational moments for myself. And I, it, when I was thinking about that, it, it occurred to me that the things that are most impactful to me aren't the formal ways of uh, engaging in academic and scholarly discourse, right? So it's not the readings that I've done or like the, the research symposiums and seminars that I've attended that have uh, been most impactful when it comes to the way I think about and the way I feel about sustainability and equity. Rather, it's the conversations I've had with folks, like the informal things. Like it's the times when with the, the IONE, there's a lot of times when like all the IONE community hangs out and meets. There's always these like social times where, you know, everyone's just sort of sitting around drinking water out of like fancy glasses and like having little snacks and like just, you know, shooting the shit about random things. It's those moments that I think I've, I've learned the, the most. Sitting at a table with someone like, you know, Dominic Travis, and he's talking about when he worked at the zoo and, and you know, talking about bats or something. And it's those sort of informal conversations that I, I think where the interesting things come out. And so I wanted to do that uh, with the podcast, right? To, to, uh, uh, provide people some opportunities to to e engage in sort of those informal conversations with the folks who I've found really impactful in the ways I think about sustainability and equity 
and to hopefully that to help folks get some of those things that I've gotten from those informal conversations. Now, while it's impossible for me to like bring in the the dozens or maybe hundreds or hopefully thousands of folks who are listening to this podcast to have conversations with these folks. So, you know, I try to have those informal conversations, record them, and then hope the things I'm asking and talking about with those uh, the people I'm interviewing are also of interest to the folks listening to this podcast. Yeah, I know definitely a lot of folks uh, listen to podcasts just for that, for the informal conversations that they listen into and they happen to be really interesting about different topics. Um, so I think you're you're doing just that. You're bringing the water cooler to, to people's ears, letting people listen in as you shoot the shit on some interesting topics. Um, and yeah, at I&E, we did... We do do a lot of that, uh, you know, coffees and stuff. And, you know, we strive to maintain that here as well. And so what have you learned from these virtual water cooler conversations uh, that you've done through these interviews? For the first round of interviews uh, are all folks that I've known pretty well. Like they're all folks I've known for years for the most part. And folks that I've talked to like tons of times and who I'm really familiar with their formal academic work, right? Where I've read a lot of their stuff. And I, I find that through these uh, conversations, I've learned a, a ton more about them than uh, I knew before, right? It's actually been a, an interesting, fun tool for me to get to know, uh, you know, people I think of as uh, friends even better because, uh, right, I, it's, the, it's been an opportunity for me to ask those questions that would be otherwise awkward to ask, right? Like, if I'm having coffee with someone, it'd be weird if I asked them about like, what's the process you went through when you wrote your book? Or like, what's the, you know, when you're thinking about the topic, like, how do you think about it? Or like asking weird questions about like how they raise their kids or like help raise their grandchildren to be more sustainable. Um, so uh, I think that's the fun thing that I've learned, right? I've gotten to know people who I thought I knew really well beforehand, even better. Um, so it, it's been really fun doing that. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting that you say that, because I think that for me, as you know, your your number one listener so far, that's something that I heard in each interview is, of course, you get the what you hope to get intellectually from a podcast like this about, you know, equity and sustainability and these topics. But also every single interview, there's this themes of honesty and humility um, and like, you know, talking about family and and it's, you know, each interviewee pretty much or, your friend is like, wow, thank you for this. It was really like an enlightening conversation. And I think as your your listener, I, I walked away the same being like, wow, I just got to listen into a really like deep and meaningful uh, conversation. I think that's, uh, you can really tell that friendship comes comes through. I, I think that has been one of my favorite things about the, at least the, the first round interview. Something I hope to continue is that um, they are mostly folks that I, I think of as uh, as friends, right? The folks, most of them I've known for years. So it's been really fun talking to them about these topics. Yeah. So I guess the second half of your podcast will become the art of having conversations with strangers as if they're your friends. No, no. I mean, and I think that's the thing, right? I think outside of the podcast, I think it's just in general, like having, we don't have enough deep conversations because I, I think having more deep conversations in general would help us get along with one another better, right? To, to really understand one another, I think helps us get along and work together better, which I think is actually really important when it comes to sustainability. Uh, there's a lot of collective work we have to do to deal with big problems like, you know, climate change or, uh, you know, resource depletion or uh, loss of arable land and potable water. Uh, and if we all got along a little better, if we got to know each other better, 
uh, we would do all those things better. So maybe that's something that unintentionally uh, is part of this podcast. I'd never really thought about it before now, but it's one of the things that I'm hoping to pattern, right? Like how to have kind of more thoughtful and deep and meaningful conversation with one another. I mean, that definitely fits. Um, I was listening to your interview with Hyde uh, Erdrich last night, and you're talking about her her project on the Indigenous Cookbook. And um, as part of that, you were both talking about how food and bringing people together to share a meal, how powerful that can be. And uh, particularly, you know, have people with differing views, you know, once you get them to sit and share a meal, a lot of times that makes big changes. <laughs> it makes me think that, you know, for our, our challenging issues like climate change, maybe sharing meals is more effective than, you know, big Paris Climate Accords. And uh, that's a really, yeah, interesting way to to think about it. And so kind of a, it's kind of a change in, in topic here. Um, I think some of your listeners may be interested by the logo um, involving the whale. So I was wondering if you could let everyone know what, what the whale is about. What's the story there? Uh, so I think it's just that I like whales, right? I've always liked whales since I was like a kid. I've really thought whales are cool because, uh, I mean, it's two things about them I think are, are really interesting. Like one is that cetaceans in general, I think are people. They're like the aliens, the intelligent alien species living on our planet with us, right? They're, because they're marine mammals, the, their world and perspective is way different. But, uh, you know, they're intelligent. They have complex social lives. I think in, in any way that you might classify something as being, like, you know, a sentient person that's a moral agent, uh, it's true of whales and dolphins, right? Uh, so there's an equity issue there because we don't treat them like people, despite the fact that for like any sort of formal reason you might have for like defining a person, I think they meet those. And because one of the, the first sort of sustainability experiences I had when I was a kid was I went on a school trip to Vancouver and we visited the aquarium there. And I was just kind of fascinated with like the whales and the dolphins uh, and like the all the stuff about marine conservation. And that's, I think, got me interested in this topic when I was like 11 when I went on that trip. And so I think that's one part of it, right? I think sort of historically, uh, whales and dolphins and other cetaceans and like marine conservation were things that like, sort of were influential about how like little kid me thought about the world. And then uh, the whale more specifically, I think as a, the logo and how we made the decision logo, uh, if I remember correctly, it was born out of a conversation where we were trying to think about the logo. And then I told a story about uh, a tattoo I got, which is a, a tattoo of a whale. Well, it's actually a tattoo of a painting of a whale that's on my arm. But uh, yeah, the, the funny story of it was I was getting another tattoo. And then I was trying to figure out what's the tattoo I was going to get after that. And I was talking to the tattoo artist. The tattoo artist was had a painting of a whale that was like that she had done and that was in the, the studio. I'm like, I want to get a tattoo of a painting of a whale. And then we, for some reason, thought it was really funny. Uh, her, I think she was just being polite because, you know, I was a client. And me, because, uh, you know, I was high on endorphins because I had been getting tattooed for three or four hours. I was in a lot of pain. And so, <laughs> yeah, we were laughing about that. And then, you know, I, I made an appointment to come back in a few weeks. And I got that whale t- the painting of the whale tattooed on myself because it was just sort of a funny, happy memory. And then telling you that story, I think, is how we decided so there's the the serious, good, like thoughtful, like you know, reason, and then there's the 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 silly accident of history telling a story reason. 
I think I'll, if someone asks me who is Clement Liu, I'll have to tell that entire story as an introduction because it, it shows your, your your spontaneity of 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 who you are. You show up to you know a work meeting with a, a, a piece of a dam that you help take apart, and also shows kind of your intellectual side where you think of whales, you know, and the personhood of whales and how that relates to equity is an important part of it. Um, but also uh, how it links to your childhood. I think that's what I always think about because I, I uh, look at the research of how childhood experiences lead to uh, people caring about the environment and relating to it and uh, making podcasts about uh, whales and sustainability. And so um, a question you always you know ask at the end of your interviews is, uh, is there anything that you would like to talk about? Uh, that I've not asked you about. Oh, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> yeah, everyone always, when I ask that question, everyone always is unprepared for it. And you would think that I would be prepared for it after like asking so many people and having them unprepared for it. But uh, I am totally not prepared for this. Let me think. <laughs> uh, what's something that I would like to talk about when it comes to myself? Uh, that's hard. It's much, right? I find it much easier to like ask questions of other folks because I'm curious about what they think. I know what I think. So like, I, there's no none of that none of that sort of curiosity driving it. So maybe maybe that maybe that's it. Maybe what I want to say is uh, curiosity is important. And I, I I guess one of the things I'm hoping that this uh, this podcast helps folks do is to like spark their curiosity when it comes to sustainability and, and equity, or you know to feed that curiosity. Because I'm guessing anyone who listens to it is already thinking about it. So I, I want to provide folks with sort of more things for them to think about. Yeah, and that's why uh, you know our our slogan for this podcast is "Curious Conversations about Equity and Sustainability" with Clement Liu. Uh, there's my radio voice for it, and uh, yeah, I really hope people gain that from this podcast. And yeah, I think that's uh, about all I had for today. But you know, it's gonna be a great show, and I hope people do tune in. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, thank you, Clement. Thank you for listening to Just Sustainability. If you've enjoyed what you heard, please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review. Just Sustainability is recorded with the support of the Institute in the Environment at the University of Minnesota. In particular, I want to thank Peter Levin and Beth Mercer-Taylor for all their help with this show. All the music on Just Sustainability is composed and recorded by Clifton Nesseth, and all the artwork was created by Kristen Nesseth. Thank you again for listening. Thank mm-hmm. you.